Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. My name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 119 of the No Encore Music Podcast. It's the first time, I think, in about two months that it's the original trilogy back together. Hey! Woo! Is it? It's not that long. No, because no, we had Josh on. Oh, yeah. So it's just the three of us. Oh my god, it actually is. For yeah. the first time since the That's episode terrifying. that I took my hiatus. Yeah. I hadn't even noticed, which says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> so like I say, my name is Dave Hanready. That's Craig Fitzpatrick. Hello. Colin Morrigan. What up? And Craig mm. is finally done with college. Well Yay. done, buddy. Yay. I did it. I did it. Leave the memories. I'm in my full robes and my hat. So Leave I've the got memories my, alone. Yeah. I'm well. not actually done a, a dissertation to do. But yeah, I'm done. How would you summarize it in one sentence? Um, education is overrated. <laughs> Good sentence. That's fair enough. Three words will do me. Uh, you feel like a man of the world now? You feel like, you know... I feel like a man of the woods, as <laughs> Justin Timberlake recently sang about. Are you um, heading to Montana? I think I'm ready for the, my yeah Montana album, I think, yeah. That might be the most came and went heavyweight album release in some time. I completely forgot that it actually happened. It didn't even feel like a heavyweight release really, did it? No, it didn't. Like, the, the kind of... The promotion around it felt like he kind of... There was a lot of talk of like I made this record for me, and um, I think he knew it was a bit of a yeah. dud. Anyway, yeah, it's terrible. So <laughs> um, you missed us chatting with well, you missed us chatting with Paul Allwright. Yeah, 
Which was Raging Rat. Which was our most recent episode. It was a bonus episode, but also an official episode. So if somehow you missed that episode, episode 118, go back and listen to Paul Allwright. It's a really good chat. He's a very interesting guy. Honestly, Colm, I feel like we only kind of scratched the surface there. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, the, the album Hungry, which if you haven't heard it, is great. It was kind of four years in the making. Um, a lot of change uh, the name not being least of it but uh, yeah so made for an interesting chat like I say makes for an interesting record as well so uh, check them both out yeah we'll get them back on soon enough and I guess yeah so if you missed that one for whatever reason do subscribe to the show iTunes oh, yeah. podcast like addict, rate subscribe Spotify whatever give us some ratings and reviews I know it's an annoying thing to ask but uh, it'll help keep us in the conversation I guess yeah we like right. being in the conversation um <laughs> I guess, finally leaving the conversation after many, many years of giving us lots of jaunty, upbeat tunes. Well, 41, to be precise. 41 years, yeah. Like, he accomplished quite a lot in his time. Uh, <laughs> I, I, re- I really wish you guys wouldn't be giggling about it. This is a very serious, oh, it's a very serious news story. Nile Rogers. Tributes have been paid to Sheik leader, legendary musician and songwriter Nile Rogers, following his sudden death at the age of 41. Hot Press magazine broke the news last weekend. I'm so concerned about this because I feel like really I'm touching every bit of what... Like, this is really tempting fate. God bless you, Nile Rogers. Hot Press magazine, our old Stomping Ground, broke the news last week with the release of their tasteful tribute cover, which coincidentally acts as a celebratory issue, marking a landmark 41 years in the game for After 40 years in the game, which we realised earlier on. Rest in in peace, Nile Rogers. And Hot Press. Are are we going to explain this? Yes, please do. if anybody out there is like looking at their ticket for Chic on Saturday night, just going "What?" You're no, part no, of the problem, just by the way. If you are, and we love you. Know. Story. Yeah, um, yeah, no, no. It, it, it's the cover of Hot Press magazine, which, as Dave said, is celebrating 41 years, bizarrely, but uh, has a 1977 <laughs> to 2018 cover with black and white, with a photo of Niall Rogers looking triumphant, and it's just like, yeah, it really, really makes it look like he's dead. It's so stark. It, it's he's- incredible. And, you know, not to go too serious, but, like, God bless him, he's had his issues as well. Yeah, recently. yeah, Thankfully, he's seems in remission after the great, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, even this running order, I knew the joke, and I knew we were talking about this, and when I checked it last night, just as I was, like, gathering my thoughts <laughs> and stuff, I was like, hold on, what, what? I was like, oh, no, that's that thing. Yeah, yeah because, like, I, I've written in, in bold block capitals, <laughs> Nile Rogers or IP. But he, it's fine, he was just on Jules Holland doing um, his new song, Boogie All Night. <laughs> oh, he's he going in a strange new direction for yeah. Nile Rogers there, is he? Yeah, he seems like a great dude. I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, and I don't know. If Have she you heard c- his um, new collaboration I, with I don't Dot know, Bunk? Yeah, I don't know if she can need to play <laughs> summer, every, every summer. I haven't heard that yet. No, but they did just announce a new album for for reals. This is what I'm saying. They were on Jules Holland. A bit, like I think yeah, the day before yesterday, possibly it was them and collaborating with Masamura and Nao, who did some stuff with AK Paul. Oh, yeah. um, and it was just. She's kind of used to fade as yeah. She's great, but, you, you know, there was nothing outstanding about the track. It was just Nile Rodgers' guitar doing Boogie All Night. Uh, uh, he's earned the right to slum it, I suppose. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At the age of 41, no less. <laughs> From <laughs> one charismatic leader to another. Indeed. Jeremy Corbyn is oh, in the news. Jeremy and in the music Corbyn. news, Corbyn. once again. Uh, yeah, uh, there is Labour Live event this Saturday. Um, they have so far sold 3,000 tickets, including 1,000 bulk bought by a uh, trade union <laughs> who are struggling to give them away in a buy one, get one free promotion over the past number of weeks. It's headlined by The Magic Numbers. In 2018. This yeah. What is happening? Disgrace. They're still going. Something, isn't it? A disgrace. I worked in Extravision back in the mid-2000s when their album was out, I guess. And even then, I was like, well, this band are garbage. Yeah. And like, look, no disrespect to them as people. Fair enough. I'm sure they're lovely. 
But I'm sorry. This yeah. is one of the worst bands that Britain has ever created. Well, well that's a bit They are appallingly bad. Hang, hang on, hang on. Don't go in with two feet yet because Reverend and the Makers are playing support. Well, now I feel bad. Yeah, Reverend yeah. and the Makers, a band that you surely only call when you're like, okay, well, the Fratellis and Glass Vegas are busy. Who else is on our list Hang on, so this, this Labour thing, which, by the way, coincides with five members of their party resigning, yeah. presumably because of this. <laughs> I'm not going to do a magic numbers gig. I'm quitting. Um, am I right in saying that this whole thing is meant to be in celebration of... Labour performing really well in the polls a year ago? I mean, This I, is a year in the making? But I think it's just a general bit of a Labour party, if yeah. you pardon the pun. They can, you know, let their hair down and yeah. loosen the ties and Clear, clearly, shake down to the magic numbers. And clearly what's, clearly what's happened here, though, Let's is... Let's get forever lost. Some, somebody saw a clip <laughs> of Jeremy Corbyn introducing uh, Run, Run the, the Jewels. Jewels at Glastonbury and this presumed yeah, that Run I'd the Jewels that weren't the ones weird. drawing the crowd here, yeah. They also they had a chance to book Stormzy. Well, this is the thing, yeah. Who obviously <laughs> is Jeremy's main man, like. Um, 100 grand, he was apparently asking me, we have no idea if, you know, whether that's correct or who the source is on this. But yeah, 100 grand to headline was his price tag, apparently, and well, they balked at it. The source <laughs> says that 100 grand would actually be mates rate. Mates, mates rate, I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. I, I, Stormzy and Jez. Like Just it. for Jez. <laughs> I'm very happy that Stormzy's doing well. But, but really? hold on. I mean, if you have like a headlining wish list, is it really just Stormzy and then the magic, magic numbers? numbers? <laughs> is there no in between? I, I, can- I know, I know. Um... Yeah, so sh- how many degrees of like Kevin Bacon is that? <laughs> Stormzy sure, surely you could have helped out there. Like, I think, I think so. Labour cited a scheduling conflict that the reason that Stormzy couldn't make it. However, a glance at the man's business calendar <laughs> says otherwise. Suggests it's pretty free, actually. Yeah, I think so. the moral here is: no matter how in touch with the youth you are politicians and political parties have no business putting on a fucking music festival. Yeah. It, and and as well, guess what? It's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, uh, 15,000... Yeah, concentrate 000- on running the country yeah. or like trying or to. Or trying to. Trying yeah, yeah. yeah. 15,000 capacity in uh, White Hart Lane Well, uh, I guess Labour probably... Apparently. I mean, like, you know, we say it's the party for the youth, but I guess it's also the party for someone who kind of slides into their 30s. And as a matter of fact, hey. guys, I hope you don't mind me revealing this sensitive information on the show, but because my own age has been out there before, I am the elder of this bunch... Mm-hmm. The gentleman to my left and right. No, 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 no. I knew this very, was very, very, I can't. very, very soon. Did you know I was going to do this? I knew. Go on. Imminently, mm. imminently, you're hitting the big three zero. How sure. How do you feel, Cullum? Uh, well, scared. Looking at this story, it's it's claiming Cullum first. I should point. Well, Cullum has by a week. Cullum's got. Um, yeah. Don't say that Cullum's got is getting married. He's got a ring on his finger. I've got, my, I've got my life together, Craig. Like <laughs> you saying, I'm going to be left on the shelf. You're just I'm you're, an old maid. You're just, <laughs> out of, you're just out of college at thirty. You're the fucking Rodney Dangerfield of no encore. <laughs> Hey, to be fair, I'm a fraud in my fucking <laughs> early 30s, but like early, not mid-early. Early. Yeah, early, yeah. baby. I'm still in my early 30s. <laughs> yeah, but I hear like 30s than you, seven. No, everything so. goes wrong and you start to feel really tired and really? old. Really? You've, you've had a good 30s, no? <laughs> oh, I have not. <laughs> Compared to your 20s. I, I mean. don't. <laughs> yeah, I suppose when you put it into perspective. Why, I'm, why, I'm, f- I'm philosophical about it. I don't know. Good, good. Okay. Uh, why are we talking about this? Anyway, yeah, Deezer, um, the streaming service, did a survey of 5,000 people and claimed 
means basically that people stop discovering new music by 30 years of age. By 12 and 22, their brains go through a lot of change, and they're particularly receptive to new ideas. At 24, uh, it's, at, it's at its peak, basically. Um, and, and from there, obviously, it goes pretty quickly downhill. In Brazil, you're done by age of 23. In France, it's 27. And uh, for Germans, Americans and Brits and the majority of the survey, it is around the 30 mark. 23, like? Yeah. I suppose if you're like, yeah, if you've got like a soundtrack that's suitable for Carnival and like beach orgies, (laughs) you're kind of set, aren't you? You don't really need anything else. That's a bit stereotypical, Craig. Is it? A little bit, I suppose, yeah, all of Brazil isn't on the beach. I'm sorry. Some of them are at the World Cup. Speaking of the World Cup, I'm glad that you brought it up because once I saw all these different international denominations, I couldn't help but cast uh, my eyes and mind back to about 10 minutes ago. Oh, indeed, yeah. When Craig and I watched Russia. Glorious Russia. Pummel Saudi Arabia 5 now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, One for the ages. Headstuff.org, Supremo, Paddy O'Leary. A week ago was like, Saudi Arabia are the ones to watch, guys. Dark horse, lads. They sure were. (laughs) They're very dark. World Cup. We're not a football podcast. World Cup! World Cup, everybody. I love a bit of football, like. I'll tell you, only one thing is missing from this tournament so far, based on the one game I've seen. We've seen one game. The Vuvuzela. Oh, I'm fine with that. I miss it, man. To be honest, that's the greatest really. example of Stockholm syndrome I've ever been like I've ever seen. Hold on, what you got into it? Oh my god, yeah. I'm all oh, about no. the Vuvuzela. As a I matter didn't of fact, enjoy that World Cup. As a matter of fact, I may well watch a couple of games with the Vuvuzela sound effect on loop. I'll go for it just to get into it. I won't be just, watching them with no. you. It was my least favorite World Cup of the ones I've watched. Oh, I remember being at home when that tournament was on, and my sister being like. Dave, what's going on? Is there like a bee trap behind the television? Yeah. No, no, it's just culture, baby. I have to saying baby. I'm not even Dunphy. What the fuck? <laughs> back, that but, seeps in too, don't worry. Okay, hang on. So do we think that if we weren't doing this weekly music show, yeah. that we'd probably be like, uh, I'm just going to listen to what I listen oh, to? Oh, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Not, do you resent having not, to not far do the work it. for this? No, no, I feel like so this gives me an opportunity. Keeps us actually. young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and ages us rapidly in other ways. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I'd always have that kind of curiosity. I think it's very, I don't know. 47% of people said they wished they had more time to find new music. This 41 were adamant that they would if they did have the time. But surely now this must be less applicable because so many people, even those ancient people over 30, are on like streaming services where you're constantly... Uh, you sorry? Have, this That was me being flippant have the option of just like getting kind of recommendations and playlists it's not like kind yeah. of 20 years ago where you had to constantly be actively searching it's for true, yeah, literally stuff. rifling through shelves yeah. in your local record store yeah, I don't know. it's not my, quite like my that parents anymore. were at Nick Cave and Nick Cave is kind of new for them so sure listening to well-known songs releases in a results in a release rather of uh, anticipation and happiness because once you know you're going to hear a great love song your brain apparently does a big dance full of dopamine <laughs> serotonin and other happy Is chemicals. That what's happening, yeah. Apparently the ages of 11 and 14 are like those, that time period is the songs you resonate, you know, resonate the most. The which formative is, years. Formative years, yeah. Mm, yeah. I cannot tell you what I was listening to when I was 11. Turn of the, cent- I don't know. Mm. No. Limp Bizkit. No, no, that came later. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like 1999-2000 was a real kind of watershed moment for me. <laughs> Try to work out my age, listener. <laughs> In the meantime, though, someone who's definitely younger than me is Ariana Grande. And we will give congratulations because she's followed Cullum's lead. She's got hitched, or engaged, rather, I should say. Yep. Uh, to comedian Pete Davidson. Um, they've been going out for approximately about a month, six weeks. <laughs> And now they're engaged. Now you after, sound a bit judgmental there, Dave. I'm not, and here's why. About a month after this couple were reported dating, Pete Davidson, who is a Saturday Night Live regular, I believe, yeah. or at least was, who used to date uh, Larry David's daughter. 
Cassie Cass- right. David. He got a couple of tattoos, which uh, appear to be related to Ariana Grande, like the bunny ears and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he got the bunny ears logo. This is after a month, right? And the internet, yeah. of course, went into uproar. Can after I, a month. Can I just say this? If you're going out with If Harry I went out with Ariana Grande <laughs> on one date, I'm getting a Midway, fucking... the date would be in a tattoo oh, parlour. Dave, <laughs> would, Dave would get Ariana Grande's face tattooed on his face. I would upgrade, absolutely... Upgrade, I would get those bunny ears behind my ear the way Pete Davidson did after just one night. I know, I'd get a mid-date. For sure. I'd be like, this is a story I'll tell for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I have no judgement whatsoever for these young lovers. Best of luck to them. Best yeah, of luck course. to them indeed, yeah. People are very annoyed though. Why, though? Because they want Ariana Grande to be, like, this kind of perfect person who doesn't rush into things, I is guess. It, is, oh, so, right. is this mainly her kind of Twitter fan base? Like, in a weird thing of just, Stands, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. belong yeah. to us kind yeah. of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. gossip it, columnists. It, it, in and, fact, you know. yeah, the, the reason why, you know, we believe she's been engaged is because one of the fans said, I hope he knows he's marrying us as well. Oh, Jesus Christ. She replied, ha, 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 he's been briefed, all capital letters. I, I knew his I face, but, like, do we know his... SNL work is he a funny dude? No, like, I've seen. I've I seen him, I saw him in one of those anymore. roasts one time, and okay. he's just he's he's a kind of a goofy looking bloke. To be like, fair play to him, it's working. Jesus, you know. I Andy read Sandberg's with Joanna Newsom. So I read a, a retrospective on SNL there recently, and I don't need to read anything about SNL or watch it for the rest of my life. Oh, really? Good book. <laughs> that's all. That's all you need. It's a good book, but once it gets into the latter half of what the show is and how it's not that interesting anymore, right. it's not so great. It starts off really interesting because it was debauchery and chaos yeah. back in the day, and lots of big names doing drugs. No, this sounds like a great reason to stop listening to music as well, though, right? Maybe this is what Deezer overlooked back in the day was all debauchery and drugs. It, it, then it got uh, a little bit more boring, and people just stopped music probably. paralysis yeah, at age thirty. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I I don't see the problem here. You know, like I I, I don't know why people feel this ownership of Ariana Grande she's had a rough time that's just fan culture isn't it yeah it is it's culture like Jesse J can we tell that story very briefly there's an incredible I was not really familiar with the phrase of stan culture do you know what she calls her fans Ah, oh, remind me. Heartbeats. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. This one goes out to my heartbeats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on, on the Wikipedia entry for Stans, it, it mentions, you know, Jessie J was, you know, all for the devotion that her fans give her and, you know, her waxing lyrical right there about her heartbeats. And then it just has a sentence where it's like, when Jessie J broke her leg, one of her fans uh, self-inflicted <gasps> yeah. an injury, at, at which time Jessie J increased security at her home. Oh my god! So yeah, it's all fun and games until the someone breaks Stan their legs comes in from tribute. The fucking M and M song. Mm. You know, I get that. It didn't end well for him, but I will say this about these two: <laughs> this reminds me of a a, little, a young couple who kind of fell in love pretty early doors that I like to refer to as Romeo and Juliet, and it ended up just fine for them. You didn't finish that <laughs> book, did you, Dave? Uh, happy ending, I presume, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Stay in school, my friend. We'll give you the Baz Luhrmann DVD at Christmas. You might, a, that's you a good movie. Up. It is, it is. It's very well put it together. It actually is, yeah, yeah. John Leguizamo has never been better. I remember as well, That was around, I'm not great for keeping up with movies, mm. so when, uh, when Homeland started and everyone was like, fucking Claire Danes is doing brilliantly here, I was like, she was always great. Didn't really realise that was just like an eight-year <laughs> Barren period, like Claire Danes. Feel like it was more than eight years. No, oh, it probably was. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. speaking of Eminem, um, <laughs> that wasn't even planned. I'm back. I'm back. I'm free. Yeah, nice. The Link um, King himself. Yeah. Eminem's representatives have denied that the rapper used gunshot sound effects during his set at Bonnaroo. Um, apparently, there was a bit of a panic caused at his headlining set. 
um, when he performed the song Kill You off his 2000 album The Marshall Mathers LP gunshot like sounds could be heard um, and there's been footage kind of posted to social media which showed audio members screaming and ducking when these sound effects went off and yeah. it was kind of heavy criticism online understandably that people would be freaking out considering it's uh, less than a year How not long at all um, since yeah, it was October, I think, was Las Vegas, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that d- dreadful kind of shooting. Um, but apparently, no, it was in accurate reports. It was a slightly different sound effect that nonetheless sounded like gunshots. Um, and and it, yeah, he's been doing it for over 10 years as well, according to his manager. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy that used to come out with a chainsaw and stuff, so I don't know how much he should mix up his act, but I can understand the sensitivity and... Uh. No, well, no. Like I can understand the sensitivity, from, but like, but, but I mean, from people actually there being nervous, not the people being outraged thereafter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you see, like, here's the thing: like, the people there are like, as in, like, this is galvanizing people behind the cause of gunshot control or gunshot sound effect control. <laughs> yeah. yeah, first one, yeah, like, second one, no. <laughs> like, like, guns. If he's doing his song, kill you. Yeah, yeah. you know. This isn't as bad as Marilyn Manson having a M16 microphone that he shoots into the crowd. <laughs> but even that, I find myself going, well, it's performance art. And if you're going to see an Eminem gig or a Marilyn if you Manson know, gig, yeah. you know... Maybe like, in fact this was a festival, I don't know. Yeah, may, but then yeah again, there were clearly people who weren't braced for yeah. it. Like, yeah. sure, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. You can understand totally why somebody would feel, obviously, that their life's about to end, or someone may, who may have survived gun violence. Not ideal. But yeah. at the same time... I don't know. Maybe go see the magic numbers. I don't know. I mean, like, it's, just, it's a tough one. It's a fucking tough one. Send them one, all like. to Labour Live, man. There's plenty of tickets available. <laughs> and I presume that will go off, you know, relatively tame by comparison. I, if yeah. magic numbers pull out a gun and start firing into the crowd, I would be stunned. Be quite the fuck. Although notion. Reverend and the Makers can be pretty edgy. I tell know. you what, yeah. They could have been the champions of the world. Um, <laughs> what a callback. Okay. Um, so from errant use of gunshot <laughs> to... <laughs> To Kanye West and Kid Cudi. To inspired use of gunshots. Uh, now, hold on for a second, right? Because okay. I missed... You know it was serious when I missed the, our first chance ever yeah. to review a Kanye West oh, album. Oh, we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My sister's annoyed with you, Colm, first of all. Personally? All right. Yeah, yeah. Go on. She didn't appreciate your review. Right. Um, Why? She felt it was a little harsh. Okay. Um, but no. Um, <laughs> I think overall, you were you, you did a good job. I approve. But let's get on with this. Kids see ghosts. That's indeed. Collaborative effort. Kids See Ghosts is the name of the combination that they've given themselves. The album is self-titled This Is Feel The Love. Ain't no worries finding out The details as I end out Easily they plays along Hoping that I play a song Love to fuck the trap music Dope money just came along And many people have referred to it, I guess, as part three of five of the Wyoming project. Mm. Um, this was one that I suppose wasn't necessarily um, a given from the start. We were kind of surprised to hear that there would be a collaborative effort here. A pleasant surprise. So um, I guess to start off with here, I need to kind of have a bit of a preface. And I am slightly nervous about this. And I'm also kind of wary about 
I've been very frank about my own kind of struggles with mental health in the show to the point where I now worry that I've become some kind of fucking broken record and I don't want to turn No Encore into Dave Hanratty's mental health journey at all. First of all, that journey has been lifelong. But also, you know, I don't consider myself some kind of expert or some kind of, you know, advice giver or, you know, I'm not looking to inspire. I'm pretty much just looking to survive and I'm not looking to become this horrible discount Brezzy figure or anything, but I find it difficult to relate certain things without kind of giving my own personal experience. So um, with, I guess, your guys' permission, I feel like I need to kind of tell the story of how this album came into focus for me. So um, uh, about a week ago, I was working and I I had a difficult day in work actually before I came to the podcast, uh, but I powered through and I got through and I got through the show and I thought it was a good episode and thanks again to Carlo and to Dave for last week. I thought it was a really good episode. With regards to the following day, the Friday, um, I was in work and I felt very similar to the way I felt the day before and I felt really, really kind of just crippled and poor and I couldn't really focus on anything and my arms felt heavy and my head felt like it was eating itself and it was a lot. And I had a meeting scheduled with my boss that day for that morning for like kind of midday or whatever about something else entirely. And I kind of was sitting there and I was like, I don't think I can do this today. I could barely do it yesterday and something's up and I I don't know what to do. So long story short, I had that meeting and I started off by basically saying all of that. And my boss was very supportive, thankfully. And essentially, um, he was like, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't really know, but I'd like to go home. And I worked the weekend and I took this week off. So, But I worked the weekend because I was like, look, fuck it. I'll be in the office on my own. There's no one here at the weekend and it's too short notice. I don't let anybody down. Yada, yada, yada. And I wanted to do it just to fucking do it. But I've been off this week, and essentially I left work on Friday, and I went to my GP. And we had a chat about different things, and on top of everything else, I've been diagnosed with hay fever, which is interesting, and I think kind of hilarious at this point, given that I've had a fucking viral infection and whatever else. So after that, um, I met a friend of mine, and I guess before he arrived at the cafe that I was in, after having that conversation with my boss and having the chat with my GP, despite the fact that there was still no real revelations there, I did feel good. I felt like it was good that I addressed it and that I got it off my chest and I did feel a little bit of relief. Um, then I opened my laptop and the first thing I saw was the news about Anthony Bourdain. And I was just like, this is just inescapable, isn't it? Like, this is just like, this is a thing. And I find myself, you know, I guess, um, I, I, I find myself quite hesitant when I see stuff like, you know, male suicide epidemic when i see that kind of word epidemic i i i kind of think well yeah it's obviously a big problem but like is that the right word for it i don't know if it is or if it isn't um i try not to be hyperbolic about these kind of things and yet i've just found myself kind of being like almost numb at this stage because you know on this show alone we've discussed so many high profile male suicides in the last kind of year and a half in the world of music and extended to it so it was just a real shock to the system and i just didn't know how to react to it so I met my friend who's been going through a lot of similar stuff. He's actually kind of come out the other side of it. And we kind of related that way. And I was really, really happy for him. And I am really, really happy for him. But also, I found, mis- I found myself kind of sitting there a little bit and kind of being like, well, can this be me? Will this be me? Will I get there? Will I get there too? I don't know. But thankfully, like, you know, um, by the end of it, we were sitting in the sun for like two hours just laughing. We're laughing about like Dream Theater and how hilarious that band are. Very fucking funny band, by the way, if you've never checked them out. Do it for that reason. But I guess a point I had made to my boss when I was talking to him was the fucked up thing about all of this is, for whatever my own condition is or isn't, um, you can have an incredible low, but you can also be laughing 10 minutes later. You can actually be doubled over laughing at a funny video or with a friend. You have those spikes. And I had those spikes last week where I got really inspired to do some creative writing and then it just didn't happen. I found myself sitting in my room and just staring, just refreshing Twitter or just like 
staring into nothing, staring into space, not even doing anything, unable to do anything. So all of this was happening and all this was kind of swirling around me. And I went home and I went home feeling good because I, even though it was like three o'clock in the afternoon on that Friday, I'd managed to pack an awful lot into it, into that day. And I found myself kind of just tired and I was lying on my bed and I was thinking, you know, I feel like I've got a little bit of hold over this now. I feel good. But am I going to crash? I think I might crash. I think this might happen. I don't normally kind of have that preemptive thing, but it was kind of there. And then um, about half an hour later, whatever it was, the Kids See Ghost album drops. And I mean, it's been almost a week now. So this isn't just coming from a place of pure emotion and that connection. But I will say this. And I don't think it would be the case if there were seven different songs. I can't think of an album that I needed more at that moment in my life, at that time. I just, it was, it really felt like it was for me. It really felt like it was the tonic and the strength that I absolutely desperately required. And it enabled me to go into work the next day and on the Sunday. And I felt fucking powerful, man. I felt, I felt better. I felt... I felt really good and I kind of deliberately when I got to like Monday and Tuesday I almost took some time off it because it's a short album much like Yay and much like um, Pusha T's Daytona it's like 20 minutes or whatever so you know you can kind of listen to it a bunch and kind of come away from it and then I went back to it like kind of midweek to try and get more kind of critical on it so I guess you know before we kind of get into the brass tacks of it it really spoke to me I'm so glad it's there because I found myself very much feeling um, and I haven't said this to you guys but I found myself feeling um, what I was referring to to myself or to whoever I would say it to as vaguely suicidal. And I'm aware of how dangerous those words might sound. But, you know, ultimately, I saw like Robin Pecknold from Fleet Foxes this week was talking about how he felt actively that way yeah. for quite some time. And the fucked up thing is that, like, as I've said to, like, you know, a few people in my life, I think that that's a, a subject of conversation that should be discussed and that you should be allowed to talk about and not have someone instantly reach for a fucking phone line or a white coat you know i think you should be allowed to say hey listen i've thought about it i've contemplated it without actually you know deciding i'm gonna whatever the fuck and again i don't want to say the wrong thing here but i had to be honest with myself and the more i listened to this album the more i heard Kanye west and kid cuddy being so honest about their own mental scars and using them in a new way and kind of gaining some ownership over them i found myself going no um yeah i was uh i am and I don't know where my life is right now, but I know that those feelings were genuine and not that I ever thought I was going to quote unquote do anything, but they were genuine feelings and it's time to stop running from them and it's time to kind of look at them and see what I can do with them from a positive point of view. And this album really, really helped me out with that. So like I say, before we get to fucking numbers and all that bullshit, I'm just Six really, out of 10. Uh, yeah, yeah, four <laughs> out of 10. I'm just really fucking glad it exists. And I think the union of these two guys and listening to them pull themselves up together and to do it in such a way that this album accomplishes, I was just blown away. I think it's a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, well, well, that's pretty powerful. Um, and I think I agree with you that it is that kind of perfect material for something like that. I'm really glad that it was able to help you in that way. Um, my takeaway instantly was a feeling of kind of like, um, this is going to be such a biased review from maybe not Colm, maybe, <laughs> but yeah, a kind of feeling cold, of, man. <laughs> <laughs> that had no effect whatsoever. Right? Colm was, uh, still taking Cullum, notes. Cullum was staring daggers at me and he was windmilling me for yeah. time. I went to vape at one stage. Through, there. Through all that. Yeah. Yeah. He like, he balled his fist like the Arthur meme. Um, 
yeah, my I, my immediate takeaway was a kind of feeling of pride in both Cuddy and Kanye of just like after everything we know they've been through, um, you know, Cuddy in particular kind of some time ago. And, you know, the far less important stuff of him getting a bit of a critical mauling post his, you know, the huge influence he's had on the sound and stuff. And then Kanye way more to the forefront recently, which he discussed on last week's record. Um, It felt amazing that they were reuniting in such a strong way and being so open, tearing down those kind of taboos and just... I mean, yeah, it's like what Kanye was saying on the self-titled record where he's like trying to use a superpower. This felt somehow more matter-of-fact to me. It felt more like, here's where we're at. There's no need to kind of sugarcoat stuff. Let's just fucking navigate the murky nightmare stuff with the kind of more lighthearted stuff. And it's just like, they kind of, it was like taking a pin to the fucking pressure of everything. And it just kind of really let the light in, I thought. Well, Cuddy's very much been a catalyst on this record, I feel, in that sense. Because... You know, like a lot of people, indeed last week, Carlo was talking about Daytona and Ye being a sort of a, I think he said, you know, speaker box of love below sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, In many ways, obviously, because of his, you know, more pronounced involvement, Ye and this album make for a fascinating comparison and the obvious difference being Cuddy's presence. It appears as though he has both in in a, in, in a, directness but also in what seems like a really considered and almost laid back sort of a, a sense you know he he's taken an ownership over a lot of There's the problems a confidence that seem to be going on yeah, yeah. And, and it seems to have dragged Kanye with him essentially because you know you talked about the two of them lifting themselves up it, it feels when you contrast it with what we were listening to last week it feels as though Kanye is kind of looking at Cuddy and going oh right you know, he probably got a lot of working out of Cuddy what you got from listening to them. Yeah, and chest. he he really also gives... Uh, I've seen some people kind of complain that, oh, Kanye is not on this enough. And I'm like, that's a deliberate choice. I, mean, I oh, think yeah. he's... Like, this could be a Kid Cuddy album. Like, it could be. Yeah. You know, and also, like, a, you know, at this point, uh, on a pure surface thing, good God, his voice is like fucking silk. <laughs> it just sounds amazing. He, yeah, he occasionally gets, you know, that thing of just, like, he will go off tune a lot, which he clearly does on purpose. But he occasionally gets ragged on for that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think this is great. I, it, also, the thing of Kanye constantly being talked about as this huge ego that is like all about himself and really selfish. I mean, this project, if we kind of needed more evidence, is just like... I mean, all these releases, I mean, with the Pusha album, he's clearly playing to all of Pusha's strengths and trying to deliver, you know, that tone of stuff. Um, His own thing was clearly a, you know, very quick response to what was going on around him. But this is just him switching back into that kind of vintage period of when they were changing hip-hop really a decade ago. It's just, it's so lush and deep and just considered. And yeah, there's so many moments on this that remind me of highlights of, you know, both of their careers. Cody Montage is such a fitting name because he's just like, it's a fucking showreel of here's all the shit I'm really good at. Like, okay. it's amazing. It's the closing track and like that one in particular out of the seven tracks that are here was the one, that and Reborn were the, the ones that really yeah. kind of got Mr. Hudson's back as well. <laughs> Mr. Hudson's yeah. hey. Mr. Hudson's contribution to Cody Montage is astonishing. And he's also, great, yeah. even, but even like, the, the like because like, there was this weird snafu when this album came out that the track titles were wrong. There or still the, is. Yeah. The sequence. No, no, it's, it's, it's been fixed. Has it been fixed? Yeah. On Spotify? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's I feel like yeah, it was in the right board. order. It was just wrong, wrong, wrong titles. So yeah. yeah, I thought like I think it was I thought Reborn was the last track, and I was like, well, this is the one that's kind of really helped me. So I want to know. It turns out it's called Cody Montage, and I was like, oh, that's like that's a less cool title, but it's called Cody Montage because it has a sample of a Kurt Cobain track that was on the Montage of Heck documentary. Yeah, um, works really well. And basically, yeah, like this ends with like. Mr. Hudson having this kind of refrain, uh, Cuddy grounding everything in Kanye West, kind of having a very kind of vulnerable moment where he's just like, you know, um, don't shine your light on me, save me, please. And again, I mean, like I've talked before on the show about the word empathy and I can't, I, mean, I can't not get attracted to it. But the drive and the command on this album is astonishing to me. It's, it's so, from the first fucking moment... This is picking you up by the bootstraps and it's bringing you with you. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, you know? I think this has the best musical moment of the year so far on it. Which is? Can you guess what it is? Kanye West gun ratatata yes! in, in Field of Love. Okay, Cullen doesn't like that. Okay, no. It's the I, greatest I, I, I thing. I am constantly repeating it. It's so good. I Especially when the rhythm properly kicks in and he's just like, like gliding on that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I know. Oh, it's I'm not so good. It like. And it also really <laughs> so you don't no, like that. No, it's I so don't. energizing. It reminded me like it's the complete flip side of what he did on Runaway, but it's that thing of him like really just like letting lo- loose artistically. And he's kind of it is that like almost grimy kind of brap thing, which yeah. Drake is kind of like half heartedly been owning and like even like I'm upset and in the background you just have someone going brap brap. Yeah. And this is kind of just All being I like, No, do you know what? I'm just gonna dubs, do that to the end degree. It's not nah, so kind of visceral for me. Uh, I that, love it so much. That, that felt to me like one of those moments where, I, I mean, you know, because like this, I, I say like this whole record is 20 minutes long, but you know, like, but it is kind of kitchen sink production really, isn't it? Like there's yeah, a I lot so, yeah. going on. And that was just a moment where I was just like, no, you've overstepped a mark. Oh, really? I love book. it yeah, so much. Yeah. I thought that was really cathartic. But yeah, there's, there is a lot going on in this, but I think it's, I think it's well laid out actually my kind of criticism is that it feels like there's more in like the bones of a lot of this stuff like this could be longer it's yeah. it works really well in that kind of self-contained way but i mean you're kind of getting fragments of stuff you'll get occasionally a verse and kanye kanye will do deliver a verse and he knocks it out of the park and you want more and then suddenly you're on to the next thing yeah and especially as i say when it it really does sound like you know and and, and i'm not necessarily talking about just you know his, his own mental state but at least his his perspective on his mental health that Cuddy kind of has a handle on things here. Yeah. It sounds like everything is very much considered. There's very little here that feels like a visceral emotional response. It feels like a carefully thought out sort of, you know, reflection on his experiences or whatever. To which end, yeah, you do think you could, A, like we could do with more, and B, he probably has more to give. Like, I wonder, because this, by all accounts, I mean, they've been working on this for a good while. I think a lot of this was recorded like even last year. So yeah. this was probably actually the most complete work. So I'm wondering once he decided to go with the seven track theme, was a lot cut out? Is there stuff in the that's cutting a, room? That's a, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was say, saying. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Obviously, yeah. He, pr- he clearly took Ghost Town for his own record, which would have ended yeah, up here. Yeah. So there's, yeah, we'll, we won't Yeah, know. it does feel like the um, second seven track could be getting I, slightly restrictive in, in, in this particular example. Um, God bless the Nas fans who've waited eight years and will get seven songs. I think that's going to be superb, though. There was a point where last week, I think it was you, Cullum, who were saying that, you know, (laughs) Kanye West, uh, maybe it was Dave, or maybe maybe it was both of you, and you were kind of saying, like, you know, he used to be the future, and and that's not happening anymore. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to go too fucking fanboy here, but, like, (laughs) 
this project, like, and I find it difficult. I, I think when this is all done, when these five albums come out, like the Nas album, the Tayana Taylor, is that? Yeah, Tayana yeah. Taylor. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we're going to have to look at them all as one big piece. And if we do, and if we do that, and if they're all seven tracks, and, and you know all, the rumors, don't you? Go on. Well, Siri Prince has come out and said Kanye's going to make him a seven track album, so that makes six. Um, he's obsessed <laughs> with the number seven, right. and apparently the, and apparently Yay or Ye was done in two weeks and the other thing so another Kanye album it ends with the one he spent ages on after the whole I mean like in terms of hip hop like you know (laughs) what's really going on behind the Matrix surface here after the whole Kendrick thing last year I'm not willing (laughs) to damnation I'm not willing (laughs) still waiting for nation (laughs) I'm not willing to dive into these things again let's say it's five I mean if Kanye West puts out five albums in five weeks right Mm -hmm. and they're all like 25 minutes long yeah is that not the future is that not like him changing how we consume music how we like how we like is it not I mean well, no, no, no one's done this. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think, don't know. I think particularly at a time when you've got the likes of Migos getting a lot of criticism for just the bloat on the records, yeah, for the coming yeah, out yeah. with fucking hour and a half long things, clearly just to get the streams up on Spotify. Yeah. Um, this is refreshing, at least, where it's just, it's a, a more, it's like, fuck the streaming things. It's about the, like, I mean, he's been, yay went number one again but clearly the way streaming is factored into kind of sales now and that weird thing in the US by limiting himself he's really hurting his sales so he clearly doesn't give a feck at this stage about any of that yeah, kind of I'm stuff not, well, I'm, not, I'm not here to say Kanye West you know is, is on a quest why is he flying 150 radio producers to Wyoming because, cult of personality I mean like yeah like, like it's, it's more about his legacy than making money off well it's about radio play Something yeah, like but he wants radio play because he is old school enough to see that as a form of legitimacy as opposed to, I think, furthering. Do you know what I mean? Also, I'm pretty he, sure like, he's he still... He adores Michael Jackson. So he feels like... Do it money, like no, on, no, he's hacked man. off that he, that, that he wasn't playing on radio with Pablo and like he's kind of like, you know, I want to redress that balance. Like, sure, surely... I think, I think you're fanboying so hard I don't know, to say on, this sure. isn't about money but for surely, Kanye. No, he's not saying it's not about my, money. No, my point... That's okay, just say it. He's not the chief concern. My point would be that... I think he's very concerned with money, but yeah. I would assume that like Yeezys are fucking taking care of that and it's dwarfing music at this right, point. Okay. So the music doesn't really factor Kim into Kardashian. that anymore. He's sure. fu- he'll, he'll be fine. He's afraid he's going to lose it all. If, she wouldn't leave, though. If we believe him. She wouldn't leave. <laughs> yeah. But do you not think, I'm, I'm not saying like, oh, like, let's all hail Kanye West for saving the album, but do you not think that he is doing something here where it's like, well, he's making a bit legitimate It's, it's interesting. There's a mystery to it's all these releases. We don't know the artwork. I won't until, disagree with that. It's interesting. But also, the also I would say, before, with, if they're coming out, like, like whereas everything with, else feels stale Also, we're three albums in and his is the weakest. That's okay. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But That's it, allowed. But it probably tells you something about... Like Kanye West's role here, not if he's not, but he's producing all of these albums. I know, and but, therefore it doesn't. I, 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 I think it says more about how quickly that record was done. I also am really digging that, um, and I, it does take a while to get into. And I think there are legitimate um, criticisms you can have for that record. Uh, sure. Definitely, it's the weakest of the three. I, I fully agree with that, and yeah. it's fr- and it remains frustrating. And, and I would be like, I, I almost wish we got the first album instead of what um, we got. I, yeah, but I get. I would go back to the fact that that was done so quickly, and you hear how considered a lot of stuff is, and like his rap, like some of his best raps in a very long time are popping up here. Like, like his flow and everything. It's just like, what? Where has this Kanye been for a while? Like, it's not that spoken word stuff. I know kind of towards the end there's a bit where he's kind of catching his breath a bit but his flow on this is slightly old school Kanye. For me it's for me this is mostly about the atmosphere, the journey and the connective tissue and I mean even a track like Reborn which is like a five and a half minute near loop but I, de- I never get bored because I find the lyrics and the message so empowering. I mean like I said I've had this massive emotional reaction to it 
but I don't think that that's false. I don't think that's overshadowing me too much. I think this is a genuinely brilliant album. And I want this to be a project. I, I don't want this to be a one-off. I want them to keep working together because those two together, they feel like they're, they're wrapping themselves in a fucking, you know, like some kind of bulletproof shield. Oh, they're very good together. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been clear from, you know, the offset. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 th- I really dug this. As I, I say, my criticisms were that I felt slightly unfulfilled just from a point of view of, of I was envisaging like, well, here's, you know, if this led just into another verse or even like Reborn, if there was some slight lift off, it was more what's not here than what's here. Because as a self-contained unit, you know, I think it's, it's fucking fantastic. But um, it was more how well it's done that I wanted more. Colm, I feel like you're slightly holding back with criticism here. Am I right? No, no, I, no I, I think Craig summed it up quite well there. I, I, I think that given its, its format and given its form of kind of, you know, short clips, it, it does feel as though you're left wanting a little bit more. Yeah. And it feels as though perhaps it, that sort of chopping, changing style is more palatable over seven tracks than it would have been over 15, that as much as you do want more here, you kind of feel like, well, if this was 40 minutes, would we have a whiplash effect of, you know, this sort of pick-and-mix style of sampling and, and, like I say, the kind of wild production that they're employing? Well, let me ask you this, and this one, I suppose, especially for Craig in the room. Are you going to rejig this and put Ghost Town on this? Would you rather it was? I was going to say Enemy did an article where they were just like, so Kanye West released two pretty good records. We made a great one. And I was just like, what kind of asshole would rejig? (laughs) 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 It was like, yeah, he sees ghosts. I haven't seen that. I didn't look at the I haven't seen Pitchfork's begrudging review of this album in which they're like, yeah, I suppose it's pretty great. Yeah, and like the score is barely higher than the last one, which was a you know hit piece. Which to be fair. As Cullen said, yeah. yeah. As I have noted, I mean like, you know, Ratings are in the music world are one thing, but as Cullum and I are currently tearing our hair out on, I wish wrestling journal- journalism was more popular. Seven out of five. Because <laughs> Dave Meltzer just gave Okada Omega a match I admittedly have yet to watch. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so good. Seven stars out of five. Yeah. That rating system is broken beyond repair. Pitch- but like, Pitchfork wouldn't even go that far. He, he did go six and six and a half. Six and a quarter. Some of the, six and a quarter yeah, for yeah. the last one. So he has to go. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so broken. And I love Dave Meltzer. But what the fuck are you I doing? Know, what is, it, is it Okay, is it that good? Like, it's not seven out of five. Did you watch it not knowing the result? Uh, no, I knew the result. And it's still good? Yeah, it's Because I know the results. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll yeah. watch it. It's like 70-minute yeah. match, okay. Yeah. As regards this, though, Yeah. like I say, I from a emotional point of view and from a critical point of view, we'll see at the end of the year, but for me, right now, this is a nine. It's a nine out of ten. I'd go, yeah, I'd go nine. It's an eight for me. Okay, that's a very, very strong album. Well, before we move on from our own ratings, Craig, would you like to take the mic and give out about a certain uh, internet music nerd who uh, <laughs> is quite busy? <laughs> Anthony Fantano. Are we really talking? Are we really giving our precious? Well, I know that to- you're a bit furious that he gave this ten. I'm not furious whatsoever. I thought it was hilarious. To- no, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he very seldom gives a ten, right? Um, and famously, I think his most famous review of all time was My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, which he gave a 6 out of 10. He's decided that Kitsy Ghost is a perfect record. Sure. I, I I said, and, and like a small comment I just said, isn't this funny? I, it's not, I don't really bear <laughs> a thing. 
I just I find him exhausting. Okay, well before and you, I just think it's interesting how he's held up as like the standard bearer. It's like Pitchfork and then Anthony Fantano. <laughs> Apparently, they are the two pillars of like music criticism now. His reviews aren't that good. Yeah, like he doesn't go beyond the surface with anything. He will describe a song and then just go. I'm kind of feeling this is a light, a strong blah, blah, blah. transition. Why don't you take us into songs of the week before you tie yourself out there? <sighs> Billy Corgan has got his mates together, except for one of his old mates. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like this. Nothing but a body in my mind. I'm here to stay. Not here today. was Solara from Smashing Pumpkins who are back with James Aya and uh, Jimmy Chamberlain um, Darcy is n- no longer involved um, be- we've talked about it a lot they all hate each other yada 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 <laughs> this sounds like um, okay it feels like they're really kind of capturing a, a zeitgeist moment here and that is the album Zeitgeist which was released in 2007 <laughs> and was very much them reheating old glories um yeah, I wasn't really feeling this. I no. thought actually getting James back on board, they might go the more kind of dreamy, um, shoegazy route, you know. Yeah. No, they're just all strumming at the same time, aren't they? What is happening? Jimmy's this? doing well. That's a good yeah, way. Jimmy's, Jimmy's doing, doing very well yeah. down the back. Well, he's one of the best drummers there's ever been. I mean, no, 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 like, no, but like he's... Well, yeah, but like they're all technically capable, but like it's just not being shown by James E. has, as Craig said. Yeah. Similar he's the, just not doing anything particularly Similar to a perfect circle, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James E. has the luxury substitute that you just don't bother using properly. Okay, what is the story? Like, he's really good. He wrote mayonnaise, <laughs> for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw a lot of goodwill for this before I got to it. And I was like, oh, cool, it must be great. And then I listened to it and I was like, it's fine. It's it, like, it's grand. It's fine. It's grand. It's there, rote. It's just it is rote. Yeah, like, I actually like the vocals. I kind of like what Corbin's shown. The riffs are boring as sh- all hell. It's fine. I and mean, people are like, it's the best Smash Pumpkin song in 20 years. I'm like, it isn't. So no, Rick Rubin on production for this? Yeah. Uh, do, do you know what? Yeah. Rick Rubin, he's done some very good work, but occasionally, I don't like the way this is. He, he probably didn't mix it or do it, but I, it sounds very thin, not thin, yeah. but... Treacly. Yes, treacly. Yeah. yeah. I it's, don't know. It's grand. I mean, I, I'll listen to the album, I guess. But I'm not particularly to, looking forward to but it. But, like he's, but, but it's, I believe it's an EP. So that's oh, probably, okay. That, right. that's probably seven tracks. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, it's, it's the Smash Pumpkins in fucking 2018. Like, what do you want, you know? Yeah. But it really is a case of, did Billy Corgan need to, you know, get the guys in for this? Does he need to be uh, the head of the NWA Wrestling Federation? No, he doesn't need to do anything, but he's still going on Howard Stern and being like, yeah, man, I'm a rock star. I know, I like him, but... I like him too, but I just, this is, like, I don't the know. The lyrics as well. Was it like, br- burn down the sun? What burn down the sun. I'm tell- not like everyone. Yeah. It's, she, it's very 14-year-old I tell you, at angry. this stage, if you give me one song on this album, or EP rather, sorry, that's as good as a disarm oh, or, yeah. or a perfect. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I want more. I, I, I want more Malibu. Then he, I, I guess he had that album not so long ago, Oligar or something, or Ogie Lala. Oh, his, his Ogie Lala. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. He, like, he releases quite a lot of stuff, and there's always like a song there. Of course, where like, oh shit, that's yeah, really great. He's like, good. He's like, like he's always going to be good. Yeah. I think he's kind of overhated, and I think he's become this kind of figure of fun for whatever reason. But at the same time, you know. 
I mean, you're 50. <laughs> yeah, it's from, a bit... It's from, a bit Foo Fighters almost, isn't I it? was going to go... Oh, God. I was going to go from, like... We were going to do random numbers, but I want to lead in... Yeah, go yeah. on. ...naturally here. So I guess from one band of aging rockers to another... Interpol. A bit harsh. They're back. It's called The Rover. Only in their early forties, like aging rockers. Like Sorry, that. Sam Fogarino's probably close to fifty, but he they was feel like older. veterans, don't they? Yeah, well, two thousand and two. To be fair, they're all ridiculously well kept young men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although, did you guys watch the performance of this on? Um, was it Colbert or Kimmel or oh, Fallon? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fallon? Yeah, I didn't actually know. Paul Banks Fallon? looked like uh, Noel Gallagher yeah. or some kind of cheap impersonation and sounded. Like garbage. Well, he's always been a bit hit and miss, hasn't he? This song is garbage. This is bad. It's Dave Friedman on production. It's, it's really bad. And you can see, yeah. hear his kind of influences, but it's very much like window dressing or something. Yeah. It's it's the lead single to your new album. It's very uninspiring, really. Isn't I mean, it? don't get me wrong. You go back to 2014 and Stuart Clark's favorite song. All the way back home. All the rage back home. That and was a good record. No, that's, El, a, El that's a great yeah. song. But to be fair, it doesn't hit you straight away as being like, it is a bit by numbers, but it's a really good rock song. It's it like, we're up, back. Yeah. You know, it's holds that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it just does fun. the job. Like, yeah. This is nothing. This no, is it's nothing. Not. Yeah, no, it kind of takes, like, there's a bit of like, they're clearly going, like, it reminds me of the rhythm of, like, uh, Say Hello to all, all the Angels, something like that. Great song. Um, it doesn't quite have the swing of it. It's got that kind of spiky guitar thing that's getting it by. The verses are very kind of laboured. The drums the melodies are, are as basic as they get for it, this kind of do thing. Do you know what, like, to me it sounds like, it sounds like a song that will sit smack bang in the middle of their live set where you'll go, I'm just dipping to the bar there. The like, yeah, like yeah. It, it even sounds like it's been written with that in mind, so to speak, and not that it's losing its potency so live. So it's, it's just it, like, it's, it has nothing to begin with. It's the with. piss break match at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, like I saw on their press release for their live date coming up in Dublin. I Which, by the way, 50 quid! Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> in the Olympia. Now, don't get wrong, I saw them in the Olympia on the last tour with health in support, by yeah. the way, which is awesome. And it was a really good show. I'll go again yeah. if I can snag my way in. Not 50, 50 quid. quid! Yeah, I know. It's very but, steep. But uh, on that press release, they used a line from, I think it was Noisy, reviewing this song, and uh, they described it as Interpol as shit. And, yeah, I mean, it kind of fits... It's it's very much just the band kind of, you know, doing what comes naturally, it but frankly, feels... they don't seem to have kind of like stoked the fires and tried to produce anything more than really that. Really uninspired. I don't yeah. quite know what I want from them anymore. Michael Moore feature, maybe? No. No. <laughs> I think Paul Banks needs to venture back into hip-hop. Um, Kanye West produced Interpol album. That could be good. Could it? Um, yeah, it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay, I well, wish them well. Let's move on to um, actually before we move on, because didn't you once have a horrible situation where you were supposed to interview Paul Banks, but it never happened? Oh yeah, no, it wasn't Paul Banks. It was Daniel. Uh, oh. It was a yeah, it was, a, but it was like a hotel room mix up where I couldn't. Oh, they yeah. wouldn't connect yeah. me, kind of thing. I interviewed um, him. He was lovely. 
Really? Yeah, yeah he yeah. seems like a nice bloke. I interviewed Sam Fogarino, who was brilliant. Great he glasses. Was very, he was very um, candid about Carlos D. Dengler right. leaving the band. And he, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, That's so. cool. Well, someone who you definitely did interview, Jason Pierce? Yes. Spiritualized? Yeah. Indeed. Great and band. you're a fan. Yeah. I think you really liked that interview as well. Mm-hmm. So would you like to introduce this song? I feel like I'm your man. The name of that song is I'm Your Man, by the way, everyone. <laughs> yes, yeah, Spiritualized are back um, with what might be, I believe, their last album. Jason yeah. Pierce has talked. This might be just something he constantly says. These I mean, days. he did say the last one was the last one as well. Yeah, um, just, you know, immensely talented bloke. He's been through the mill a bit. Um, I don't think the industry is particularly... Maybe the, it's a bit harsh to say that the industry hasn't treated him well, but he's kind of struggled to navigate. Um, it's not been kind to him, I think. Yeah. But there's every chance that he might kind of stop releasing stuff after this. And this kind of is one of two songs that arrived. It's kind of classic, spiritualized, um, without the droney and stringsy-ness to it. But yeah, I, I think he's a very underrated songwriter. Um, I always kind of welcome him back. Um, and yeah, this is like, I'm kind of a fanboy for these guys. So this was it immediately hit the spot for me. What did you guys think? I mean, the veering into classic rock thing is very much a spiritualized trademark. Yeah. He, a, he walks that line well most of the time, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, there, there was one or two moments where I was just waiting for, like, Stephen Tyler, like, late 80s Aerosmith no. to come crying, literally, across this one? Yeah, late on. Oof, I don't know. I mean... Or bon Jovi always or something. I, I've i never really gotten to the spiritualized oh, thing. Oh, man. It's more what you need to do I, is you need to see them live. I, I saw them yeah. in Baker Street and was one of the best gigs I've I remember ever seen you raving yeah. about that, yeah. I think this is one of the best songs of the year. That's yeah, great. I think yeah. it's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think it's very nice. I, like I said, it's actually gorgeous. Think, I think it just gets carried away towards the end. As slightly. someone that started in kind of droney rock and then obviously incorporated kind of strings and just did kind of gr- epic grand statements, he's v- actually a very kind of classic songwriter. Like oh, he yeah. really goes oh, back yeah. to those. Yeah. They're almost like lullabies. A lot of his stuff. His um, voice is so delicate. I, it I, is, I know yeah. what you're saying, Colin, but to me, I'm more like, and I know there's like a there's some DNA with the song title here, but like you could almost hear a Cohen-esque choir coming in as well. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he he's definitely playing on But that, he doesn't like, do any of those things. Yeah. And instead, kind of keeps it to whatever. And I, I admired it for that because it felt almost like, you know, one of those kind of like always Ballyhoo kind of built up, it's one take in a studio. Sure. But it's clearly not. <laughs> but it has the feel of, you know, this kind of just like, here I am walking down a fucking beachfront and yeah. this is what I'm doing for the next four minutes. And well, by, by, all, me by all accounts, like he just, I mean, in the making of this record, he's kind of spent all the money he got from labels and stuff and he had to finish this or nearly do the entire thing on his laptop in his gaff. Sounds pretty fucking good for that, doesn't it? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, sounds, it sounds great. Okay, yeah. we got two more songs to go and we're going back home. Yeah. First up, the return of Connor O'Brien and Villagers. And there's an ocean in my body and there's a river. 
That's Trick of the Light. It follows Darling Arithmetic, I believe. Yeah, that's the right. last Villagers al- uh, album. Four proper. years ago now. Yeah, I think a live album might have followed. It did, yeah. Um, yeah. So this would be the fourth album proper when it comes out. It's been announced. Um, I forgot the title. <laughs> Something about swimming. The art of pretending to swim. The art of pretending to swim. The art of pretending to swim with a really cool uh, cover art, which looks like one of those kind of Tashin books that you pick up in Hodges Figures and then realise it costs fifty five euro and promptly put it back down because <laughs> you can go and buy an Interpol ticket with that money. <laughs> um, this is kind of a bit, almost dare I say it, alt country for Connor, and I really like it. I think it's really elegant and pretty. It is very pretty. Yeah. Um, it's delicate I like kind of lyrically where he's going I'm not quite I, I'm interested to see what lyrical direction he goes with thematically on this record because the last one was intensely personal I love Darling Arithmetic um, so yeah this is a bit vague and poetic but lovely um, I'm digging that bass line it reminds me instantly of uh, Labby Schifres I never know how to pronounce that name but I Got The which was sampled by Eminem you know oh I don't know, Filger's songs always remind me of other songs, not in a bad way, in an amazing way. Sorry, Connor. Um, so yeah, this gets two thumbs up for me. Yeah, I think it's gorgeous, to be fair. I, I love it sonically. Um, I agree with Craig that it's going to be interesting because he feels that Dar- Darling Arithmetic might have been a turning point, so to yeah. speak, or, or, or even just a, a definitive statement at the end of that point of his career. So uh, this could get interesting, and it certainly sounds like he's going to be pushing it a little bit when you hear, like, you know, those little kind of, like, electronic-y synthy elements coming yeah, in at some stage. Yeah, it's going to be taking a few risks, um, I think. Yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> I, was speaking to, I was speaking to an unnamed friend of the show who kind of said they weren't mad about it, right. and was just kind of saying that drums in particular sounded a bit kind of tinny and maybe programmed I didn't really get that but then the more I listened to it I was like I could do with a fuller sound here but again you know I'm falling back on the same thing here I'm sure it's a jigsaw piece for a bigger hole but as regards uh, what we have so far very good first start also shame on that person for not wanting their name (laughs) they didn't ask uh, villagers remain compelling we'll put it out there then Dave <laughs> we'll see what happens <laughs> our final song of the batch of songs for songs of the week this week uh, two young Irishmen who might put Dave Grohl to shame on the nicest guy in music front it's Week of Corners they're back with The Specialist humanity, you embellish your best you are my favourite one you are the specialist Scare of the lyrics to this one, and I don't think it's a tribute to Sylvester Stallone's film from the mid nineties. Along, alongside Sharon Jesus Stone Christ. and James Woods, a really bad film called The Specialist. But this is a really good song called The Specialist. 
they just have this thing down in their sleep now, don't they? At this yeah, stage, yeah, no, I like it a lot. Um, the the the, the lyrics are fantastic. The yes. internal rhyme here is, is yes. worthy of somebody yes. who's actually spitting fire. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if Connell is up for it trying hip hop sometime, but it's actually phenomenal. Kanye West produced Weekly Corners album. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, <laughs> give the man a week off. Yeah, no, I agree. Like the syllabic prowess on display is something else. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it works as like, yeah, lyrically, I mean, they're always kind of deft. They, they kind of tackle really delicate and kind of um, subject matter that's kind of well-trodden and could be, you know, fumbled really easily, but they kind of put a nice, um, almost scientific slant on things sometimes, um, uh, which is really good. And yeah, I just, I love the rhythm to it. Even vocally, it's kind of just driven forward constantly. Those guitars are kind of buoyant and it, it like has in the best possible way that feeling that they, it's just something they can just bang out. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of infectious like that. You're just like, yeah, we're back. It's New great. album on the way. Very much looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll get them back on for a chat at some point soon in the near future. Uh, they're a band that I kind of wish were like much bigger than they are. I mean, I wish they were like, you know, fucking doing five nights around the Olympia or whatever it is. Sure. But For guess, 50 quid a night. 50 quid a night. <laughs> but I guess instead, you know, we've got the new... Man's got to eat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess instead we've got the new... We, we, we've got the new game-changing picture this uh, song to enjoy. So, you know... Oh, yeah. That's fine. That'll be something. That song is of the week, ladies and gentlemen. And the other listening corner, um, I wrote a thing last week about St. Anger. It's Metallica's oh, St. Anger. Because <laughs> apparently... We're still talking about that. Apparently, very, yeah. apparently I'm obsessed. But it led me to their uh, their song off the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, I Disappear. Right. That. Do you bury me when I'm gone? Yeah. It's Do a good song, actually. Why? It's a fucking belter of a tune. But in proper listening news, <laughs> I've uh, hit up the debut album by Snail Mail. We previously featured her song Pristine on the show. I said it was one of my favorite songs of the year so far. The album is called Lush. Um, she's a sickeningly young and talented musician from America. And this is a fucking great album. It's excellent. Go check it out. Believe the hype. That's actually what I've been listening to as well. Um, I think I got a very strong review on Pitchfork, which, as we know, is one of the two pillars of music criticism. What did Fontana say about it? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, no, I'm really digging it. It was kind of um, a bit of background listening to me, but arresting nonetheless. So, yeah, definitely check that out. It's very good. Uh, debut album from Georgia Smith is out now. Uh, you have heard oh, her shit. working with yeah, Drake yeah. and with Stormzy before. Uh, it's called Lost and Found, and it is very good. It, it's not one that necessarily grabs you instantly, and I've got a feeling she's going to be a kind of a sleeper, so to speak. Um, for the amount of critical acclaim that she's received, I'm not sure if it's going to take off, but um, right. but it deserves to. I hope it does, or at the very least, I hope it's a sign of, of things to come, because, uh, yeah, it's an enjoyable listen. Cool. Very good. Okay. Uh, what are we doing next week, guys? Are we going to do the Nas album if it drops? Is it not Tiani Taylor first? Or? I think no, it's, it's Nas. Nas. Yeah. 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 All right. I feel, like, I feel like that could be fucking great. Yeah. Like, Nas is always good lyrically. It's his choice of producers and features that kind of, I don't know, sink him. So if it's just Kanye doing the beats and they're as strong as Pusha... I love how we've turned into yeah, hip-hop hype. podcast. Yeah, Colm's so exhausted. Maybe we'll pick something else. <laughs> oh, so we, yeah. it's, great. it's okay, it's okay. I do actually regret doing the Follow John Misty album over the Push T album, but, you know, sure. to be fair, you know, it's just the way the ball bounced. Push T is still the best album of the three, I think. I think Kids You Ghost is the best, followed by Push T, followed by Kanye. Right. Um, but we'll see what Nas has to offer, hopefully. Um, thanks, guys. Cheers, Good to be back. Love Good you guys. Back. So you're back now. I'm back, back, yeah. <laughs> you, you're not going to take an episode back. off for at least six months. Yeah. 
I'm here. I'm Six here. month commitment, guys. Staying right here. You heard it. <laughs> uh, if you uh, dial up your worldwide web browser and go to headstuff.org and hit up the music section, uh, the aforementioned Paddy O'Leary, he of Saudi Arabia, our great football team fame, has done an interview with uh, Irish band Silverbacks, who recently opened for our friend's Super Extra Bonus Party in the Bellow Bar, at a gig that I sadly missed out on, but I will be there next time for sure, guys. Uh, they got a new single out, it's called Dunkirk, and I mean, again, I don't know if it's a homage to the Christopher Nolan film with the same name here, but whatever the fuck. The press release uh, tells me that it's about a bunch of different things, including martial strife. Now, I presume it meant marital, and that's why with a press release, you got to be careful who you hire for your press release, guys. <laughs> Anyway. You're just chilling for business here. Uh, yeah. It also mentions <laughs> scronking guitars. Fuck's oh, up. no, that's a word. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah, scronking, yeah. Perfect. You've never scronked before. The most important thing is that it's a good song. Okay. I quite like it. And that's why it's this week's Exit Music. My name Makes sense. is David William Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And this is Silverbacks with a Dunkirk.
podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.